Dr. Michael Roizen. Dr. Michael Roizen. You, the Owner's Manual Radio Show. You're listening to You, the Owner's Manual Radio Podcast on Radio MD, iHeart, or wherever you're listening to us from. Um, the major problem is I'm at a conference and there's a lot of background noise, and I apologize for that. Um, the top stories of this week, and again, we're, this is number 1095A, and we're brought to you, as usual, by Life's First Naturals. Life's First Naturals. Um, you can go to their website at lifesfirstnaturals.com and see the research that backs and randomized double-blind controlled studies, the gold quality of studies um, that backs their work. The first story, body mass index and disease duration are among the predictors of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease in Crohn's patients in China. And this comes back to basically if you're overweight um, and overweight for a long time. It isn't just you're overweight, but you're overweight for a long time. It is the time you're overweight, as well as the amount you're overweight, that predicts non-alcoholic fatty liver disease in patients in China with Crohn's disease. So Crohn's disease, um, a common concomitant of liver problems, and in this case it is obesity, that brings that out. Story two is one of the most interesting stories. It is staying hydrated um, is a key component that is of your risk of heart failure. Um, Normally um, we, and this is 11,814 people um, who were in the National Heart, Lung and Blood Institute study in the atherosclerotic risk in communities study, which um, has been following approximately 16,000 adults over 30 years, and so it's the 30-year follow-up on 11,814 adults, and about 12% developed heart failure. But it was 45% higher in those who had a sodium that was just one milli-equivalent higher than the upper limits of normal. So normal, 95% of people are 135 to 142 in America. 143 increased your risk of heart failure by 45%. A 144 reading at any time in this 30-year period increased it by um, 60%. Um, and why is that? It apparently is that sodium gets into your heart muscle and increases your risk of left ventricular hypertrophy and failure. Um, so what do you do about it? You drink more water. How much water should you have? About the same number of ounces of water or coffee or tea. Any of them are good. I'm gonna sip some coffee now. To prove the point, any of those are fine. Coffee's only dehydrating, tea's only dehydrating when you're overhydrated. So having those, 140 ounces. So what is that? So if 12 ounce can, you need 12 cups of that, whether it's coffee or water or tea or whatever. So that's how you prevent heart failure from this increased sodium. 
So we never ask about, we don't have patients ask about it, what's my sodium? You should. That's another number to know. Um, next story is on uh, differences in gut bacteria in uh, socioeconomically uh, different groups and this is a very interesting study because it turns out that black women with insulin resistance and white women with insulin resistance have different microbiomes, that is, different bacteria in different quantities of those different phylum of bacteria. You got 10 trillion bacteria in your gut. They outnumber you, your cells, by about 10 to 1. And it turns out that these bacteria are different with people with insulin resistance. Is it a cause or a result? We don't know. But the gut is going to be an increase in important thing. And you're lucky enough, Let's First Naturals and True Biotics is doing something about it. Again, I'm at a conference and there are a lot of women and men talking at the conference on healthcare, so I'm sorry about that. But the basic message is that it's possible that socio and environmental factors are associated with black race contribute to the unique microbiota profile and that in turn can contribute to insulin, insulin resistance, inflammation, all independent of obesity, maybe contributing to it. Um, allergy. If you have an allergic history or an asthma history especially, every doctor and you should check yourself out for hypertension monthly and even check yourself out for, um, if you will, cardiovascular disease because there's a 60, again, 60% increase in hypertension and in cardiovascular disease if you've got asthma and a 40% increase if you've had allergics. Again, another study from uh, China, because of their collection of data and the huge number of population they have, we're going to be able to get a lot of data from around the world now. Um, the uh, next story is about um, the, um, in, if you will, and, and I'll, this is a, a, a important story, um, but is one about the FDA. The FDA has said uh, genetic non-invasive perinatal tests are not substantiated by them, are not approved by them and can, in many cases, give false positive readings. So they want to make sure you know that all of these non-invasive perinatal screening tests for genetic abnormalities are not validated. Um, the uh, next story is one of my favorites because all you have to do is sniff that coffee you're drinking and maybe some lemon that you put in a uh, lemon water, squeeze a little lemon into the water, and uh, a little garlic on your food, smell that, and then maybe lavender at bedtime, you smell those for a day, well, it may be that you decrease your olfactory risk, and decreasing that olfactory risk um, also um, decreases your risk of premature death and dementia. 
That is, losing your sense of smell increases your risk of dementia, um, almost doubles it. And uh, one of the ways in the early data uh, show that your practice smelling is very effective at preventing or at least knowing when you have a problem with smell and doing something. Now men don't have a sensitive smell as women, um, but smell is important for both of us. One of the interesting stories that's pertinent to many of us is we exercise so we have increased HDL cholesterol levels in our blood. Well, it turns out that actually is protective against Alzheimer's disease as well. Now, I think it may be a marker rather than beneficial, um, meaning a marker of exercise or a marker of something else that's beneficial in your life. But in any case, increased HDL um, is a in the brain fluid, in your spinal fluid, is protective of um, the uh, beneficial effects um, is protective of beneficial effects against Alzheimer's disease. Um, this is a really uh, interesting conference in that it is healthcare executives and they do a lot of um, networking here and even in hallways that are way away from the crowd. Um, the last story is about magic mushrooms. Uh, magic mushrooms uh, have a compound in them called, uh, it's a psychedelic compound called psilocybin. And psilocybin, it turns out, um, and this is a total surprise, was associated with less risk of opioid use disorder. Now, I don't know why that is, how it is, whether it's because people with psilocybin are, are less depressed, more depressed, whatever it is, but, and, but are more used to psilocybin, whatever it is, but they protect against um, opioid use disorder. Um, in this study of people who used it, national survey of more than 200,000 people. Those are the key stories of the week. Again, my most important story is smell four different smells a day um, because smelling will improve or at least um, decrease the risk of olfactory dysfunction. And olfactory dysfunction is associated with about a 60% increase in all-cause mortality in people over the age of 50 a hundred percent increase over the age of 80, that is it doubles it, and a hundred percent increase in dementia risk. So smell that coffee, smell that lemon, smell the onions or garlic, and smell um, lavender, or smell the flowers. Um, so take time to smell them, it will help you. Thanks again to Caitlin for engineering. This has been 1095A. The A's are always the latest news of the week. Thanks, Caitlin, for great engineering. Thank you for downloading us. Again, the key, smell well and practice smelling, and you'll keep your smell there. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week with another latest news of the week and what it means to you.